Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. So I want to jump uh, right into uh, this today that, um, you know, it has been a difficult time for many people in the last year and a half. There have been uh, a lot of things, a lot of losses, a lot of fear, a lot of concern. Um, A lot of things have changed. Uh, The way we relate to one another, the way we act and react and interact is different. Um, Most of our relationship, uh, you know, at least in California, is with a screen. You know, the, when do I get to see my people on the Zoom call, on the live stream? It's, it's just a whole different thing. Um, and, and so there's been a lot of changes. And I think because of all the things that have been going on, we have kind of the way we believe that God wants to relate to us could have possibly been uh, diminished or, or watered down. And the reality is, I'm here to tell you today, that the way God wants to relate to you is by blessing you. The way God wants to relate to you isn't by judging you, disciplining you. God isn't mad at you. He's mad about you. It's not the terror of going to hell that leads people to change. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Repentance simply means that you have a radical mind shift that causes a radical life lift. Amen, somebody? That God wants us to be thinking about him as a heavenly father. That that the Bible says that Jesus said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give good things to his children? So God isn't trying to wait for you to slip up so he can send you to hell and laser beam you and blow you up and, and, uh, and give you cancer and discipline and take your kids away and, you know, all this stuff. God, God is not in that kind of business. God is in the blessing business. The Bible says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Listen, I was asking the Lord about this one time. Like, why is, have we been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? The reality is that you don't need to be blessed when you get to heaven. Because heaven's already a place of blessing. I can't, it's not like I'm going to get to heaven and be blessed. Even though my blessing is in heaven and it originates in the heavens and it, it is a spiritual blessing, every blessing from God is spiritual. Why? Why is it spiritual and why is it in heavenly places? Not so we can operate in heaven, but, but so it's inaccessible to the agenda of our opponent. How many of you know the devil can't get to your blessing? Your problems can't touch your blessing. Your mistakes, your performance can't touch your blessing. Why? Because it's spiritual and it's in heavenly places. Your spirit, which is unpenetratable by anything demonic, anything that's toxic, anything that will contaminate your life, doesn't touch your spirit. So the blessings of God are, they originate in heaven, but they're made to operate on earth. God wants you to relate to him through the disposition of blessing. The Bible says that, that we uh, have always, it's in 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Let me just lay a little foundation here. Everybody say always. There is no biblical precedent for you to be categorically defined as a loser. 
You are sentenced to success. Now, does that mean that because you have losses, that makes you a loser? Everybody has losses. Even God has losses. But I promise our God isn't a loser just because he had losses. I mean, he wakes up one day, not that God ever sleeps, but one day the devil, Lucifer, and one third of the angels decide that they want to uh, rebel against God. And God goes, you know what? I'm going to make hell for you. And the Bible said he like flicked them and they went to hell. Hell was never made for people, by the way. Hell was made for the devil and one third of the angels. How many of you know that he lost one third of the angels in heaven? How many know God has had some losses? but he's not a loser. Then he makes Adam and Eve. Hello? He makes two people and the devil slithers into the garden and he loses them. God's had losses. Then he sends Jesus and all Jesus had to do was pick 12 guys and he lost one of them. Come on, somebody. I mean, there are times in our life when we have losses, but the Bible says at the end of the day, he will always cause you to triumph. Just because the devil scored on you doesn't mean he's going to win the game. Amen, somebody? Just because he just because he got in the end zone and spiked the ball and did some kind of dance in, on your life doesn't mean that at the end of the game, the score isn't going to be 175 to 6. Amen, somebody? It doesn't matter if you got scored on, if you stay in the game, you're going to win the game. Amen. You are sentenced to success. The judicial arm of heaven has already slammed the gavel. The jury's out. You win. You're successful. You're blessed. Too blessed to be stressed and let God take care of the rest. Amen, somebody. This is how God wants you to relate to him. Use your faith. I told Daniel, let's stop using our faith for a better past. I believe in God for a better upbringing. It's too late. I believe in God that that, that'll never happen to me. It already happened. We have to use our faith for what's in front. Your future is in front. You're already a success. God has already caused you to be blessed with every spiritual blessing. Last scripture I want to share by way of foundation. And this is such a great I've been claiming this over my life, speaking it over my life ever since I discovered the scripture in Ecclesiastes 5.20. It says that they will seldom reflect on the days of their lives because God will keep them occupied with the gladness that's in their heart. How many of you know that it's just better to have a glad heart than go around and thinking about how you were raised? Amen, somebody? I know, listen, we were all raised, but we've all been raised up. Listen, you've been raised up better than you've been raised. Amen. How many of you know that nobody was raised right? Nobody, especially this section over. Come on, somebody. Nobody was raised right. I feel like I feel like everybody who was raised wrong got on a bus. The bus driver pulled out in front of my church and they said, the bus driver said, your pastor's in there. And they all got off the train and came into my church because I just say this. Everybody's messed up. Everybody messed up so everybody needs a savior everybody's working on something everybody is working on something if you ain't working on something you're dead so listen everybody's messed up everybody needs a savior so let's lose our judgments let's stop judging people because they're messed up 
because you're messed up. Now, you might not be as messed up as they're messed up, but just give it a little bit of time. Amen, somebody? Just, just keep walking through life. It just happens in your life. So if our opponent is real, and he is, then the devil's job is to keep you out of alignment for being blessed. You're already blessed. But here's the reality, that the blessings of God don't always manifest because we have to be in alignment or have our mindset or our set mind on things that are not talking us out of or getting us out of position for what God has promised in our life. Listen, there are things in your life that are trying to talk you out of what God has already made available to you. Have you ever noticed that the devil wants you to use your faith for what already belongs to you? You're always trying to get what's already yours. Why don't you just receive what God has given you instead of thinking that it's not yours yet? So there's three mindsets that I want to talk about that uh, we need to avoid to walk the blessed life, to live the blessed life, to live the life where we're winning, to walk in the sentence of success that is on the saints and stop living our life with the three satanic strategies that are designed and assigned to sabotage the sentence of success that's on God's saints. I don't even know what I just said, but I know I'm right about it. Get the tape and play it slow. Amen, somebody. So let's look at Luke chapter nine and let's look at verses 57 and following. And uh, it says this, they were going along the road and someone comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, these are, this, this, these are mindsets that try to get you out of alignment with the blessing of God that's already yours. Let's live our life not for the victory, but from the victory. Let's live our life as winners. Let, let's, let's look at it like this. Whenever you get into a deficiency disposition, whenever you feel like your life is missing something, Whenever you have this mindset that what Jesus did for you didn't fill your life up, it wasn't enough. It's the cross plus you trying hard. God's good, you're bad, try harder. You know, this, this kind of mindset where we're deficient as if the cross didn't address everything that is standing in defiant opposition to you living the blessed life. Here, here's the thing. When you get into a deficiency disposition, then you are thinking that God is holding out on you, and that's when we are tempted to take matters into our own hands. That's when we decide, you know what, God, you obviously are not interested in my dating life because I've been single for a long time, and everybody I've dated is a fool as if God has something to do with your dating choices. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I thought he was Mr. Right, and he just turned out to be Mr. Right now. You know, I thought, I thought she was going to be wonderful, and then she turned out to be something else, you know. Uh, it, there's all of these things that we take matters into our own hands, and whenever you take matters into your own hands, you always make decisions that are lower than what God has called you to do. So when we get into a deficiency disposition that's negative, it's going to produce unwanted fruit. And then what's the incentive for having chronic toxicity in our proximity? Like, what, why do we want to wake up every morning to a life we don't want? 
What's the incentive for having years of regret and frustration and years and years of behaviors that we don't want in our life, but they're in our life as if we're victims of our circumstance rather than powerful people of God that can tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Why, when are we going to get out of this rhythm of living a life that's less than the one that cost Jesus his life to give us? Amen, somebody? So they're going along the road. And the first, and this guy runs up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is like, whoa, pump the brakes, baby. Before you make a hard left, put on the turn signal. Hold on, you're ambushing me with your emotions. He said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, hold on. Look, foxes got holes to sleep in. Birds of the air, they got nests to sleep in. Sometimes I don't have a place to lay my head. In other words, the strategy number one to get you out of alignment for living the blessed life is that you make emotional commitments without first counting the cost. So let's talk about emotions. America has become entirely way too sensitive. We're way too sensitive, man. We're like, you can't even look at somebody. You can't even say hi right. Like, hey, what's going on? What's that supposed to mean? Like, ow, nothing. We're like, we're way too sensitive. Emotions, God gave us emotions to experience the world with, not to make decisions with. We walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. In other words, you can choose right without feeling right. It's called marriage. You think every morning I wake up going, I'm married. I just feel so married. <laughs> the other day, Danielle's in the bathroom. She didn't know I was listening to her, and she's singing. Someday my prince will come. Someday my prince. I walk in, I'm like, hey, hey, what's wrong with me? I was telling, I was reminding Pastor Dwayne about this yesterday, the time when Daniil was watching me get ready in the bathroom. She said, hey. I'm like, yeah, babe. Women are visual too. I'm like, what? She said, I want to handle some love. I don't want a love handle. Come on, shut the door. You know, you just don't live by feelings. You don't make decisions. Every decision that you make that's based on feelings is a bad decision. You can't, you have to make decisions based on your commitments, not based on your feelings. We walk by faith, not by feelings. God doesn't want you to live your life being uh, the victim of your emotions. You don't let your emotions tell you how to decide. You tell your emotions how, you're, how it's going to be done, whether you feel it or not. I don't have to wait around for me to feel married to be married I don't have to wait around to feel saved to be saved I don't have to wait around to feel like a Christian to act like a Christian come on somebody I don't have to walk around have to feel love to do love I don't have to feel like forgiving to forgive amen somebody I don't have to wait around for my emotions to catch up or for me to even have that emotion listen my emotions will follow my determination whether I feel it or not I'm going to choose right I'm going to be right. I'm not going to disconnect from my destiny because I don't feel it. Listen, God isn't obligated to give me good feelings. 
He's obligated to be good. And just because I don't feel good doesn't make God not good. Amen, somebody? So Jesus is like, listen, before you start popping off about what you're going to do, you better count the cost. Luke chapter 14, he talks about, listen, what man wants to build a tower that doesn't first sit down and count the cost to see if he can finish what he starts? Otherwise, after he lays a foundation and doesn't have enough to finish, everybody looks at him and begins to ridicule him, saying he started as a Christian, but he couldn't finish as one. Because there are going to be times in our life when we're going to have to learn how to forgive, learn how to love, learn how to put things that aren't important away and pick up what is important. Listen, remember Peter comes to Jesus and he's trying to be all spiritual. He's like, hey, what if I forgive a guy seven times? How about that? In one day. And what if I forgave him seven times for the same thing on the same day? Pretty good, huh? Psst, pretty good, huh, Jesus? And Jesus is like, hold on, homie. Seven times 70 in one day. He's like, 490 times? I don't think so. And what was Jesus saying? Jesus wasn't saying being in an abusive relationship where someone does you wrong 490 times a day every day and keep forgiving. What ends up happening is you, it happens once and you relive it 490 times. And every time you come to relive it, you have to forgive it. Don't relive it, forgive it. And eventually, you'll get to the place where you are living a life. No one's going to abuse you for him. That's nuts. But if you're not in a mindset of forgiving, and if you're wait, how many of you know that you don't feel like forgiving somebody 490 times a day? You just have to do it by faith. That's why Peter said, increase my faith. Not increase my feelings. You walk by faith. We believe the best about people. Not because they show us the best, but because we believe the best. Not because they make us feel our best, but God knows that we are at our best when we're calibrated and aligned with him. Are you following me? Let's lose this emotional commitment that produces immature, regrettable decisions. We decide by faith, by commitment to the cross, by the calling of God that's on our life. And if the emotions follow, great, that's a plus. Listen, you stay out of emotionalism and you stay into spiritual alignment with the call of God on your life. Amen. It'll sabotage you if you're all emotional about everything all the time. Look, and I'm not asking you to not feel. I'm just asking you to stop feeling wrong and obeying it. Feelings are horrible leaders. Horrible. I don't feel like it. Since when does that matter? You following me? Okay, let me go to the next one. So the next guy comes up to Jesus and he says, comes up to Jesus and Jesus says to him, he says, hey, follow me. And the guy goes, uh, I would love to follow you, but I got to bury my dad first. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, you go preach this gospel everywhere to everybody. So the second person 
is, is different than the first person. The second mindset that keeps you out of alignment for God's blessing in your life is that you have an unwillingness to accurately, properly deal with a father fracture. We all have father issues. Nobody was raised right. You know, the best thing that a father can do is introduce their children's hand to God's hand and put our hand in his hand and go, he got you now. Amen. Listen, God uses your parents to get you here, but he doesn't use them to actually create destiny in your life all the time. God used my dad's little squiggly thing and my mom's little egg thing, and he got me here, and now he's like, I got it from here. Amen. My dad was a great guy, but a lousy dad. My parents were great parents. I mean, great people, lousy parents. I got stuff that I've had to learn how to overcome all of my life because my dad would make pronouncements over my life. Your last name's Hage. You're never going to be nobody. You know, listen, you got a strong back and a weak mind. You'll never wear, you'll never be a white collar guy. You'll always be a blue collar guy. What's wrong with you? You think people are going to follow you? Do you know who your last name, what your last name is? Get this madness out of your mind. It's never going to happen for you. Never, 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 never. If I would have calibrated to the declaration of my earthly father, I would never be yelling at you with a microphone right now. And so this young man tells Jesus, I got to go deal with my father fracture. I got to go deal with my father wound. I got to go deal with the things that my dad said over my life. I got to go deal with those pronouncements that have caused his pain, those proclamations, those predicaments, the prognosis. I got to get the tape of my dad telling me that I'm never going to be nothing out of my mind and get my, the tape of my heavenly father saying that you're more than enough. You're, you're, uh, you're approved of. You're gifted. You're talented. You're a winner. You're not a loser. You're the, you got the power of the Holy Spirit. The same juice that got Jesus up from the dead pumps through your body. Stop living your life calibrating to who you came through and get aligned with where you came from. The Bible says you came from God, little children. Listen, I don't care how you got here. I just care that you are here. I remember, man, they picked 12 people to talk on the United States Capitol to 300,000 people in Washington, D.C., and I got asked to be one of them. Now, listen to me. They introduced Pastor Steve Hayes. There's 300,000 people. There's six of those big, you know, jumbotron things, and I'm walking up on the stage, and I look at myself up there. I'm like, this is as big as I'm ever going to be, right? This is crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, how about this, Dad? How about this? How about all that? Ain't nobody going to listen to you. Check me out, baby. Look at me. I have a dream. I'm about to stand up here. I'll never forget. I talked about how to regain the innocence of America's young people. Wheaton, Illinois, the Wheaton College did some. I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to be nobody. Don't write letters. I'm just saying. They, they informed me. We did a survey. My dad's tapes. You're never, you're never, you're never, you're never, never. They go, we did a survey of the top 25 speakers in the world. You're number 18. I'm like, who are the other 17 guys? 
No, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How in the world did, did this nobody from nowhere, first Christian that ever had the last name Hage, how in the world did I end up getting these accolades, these blessings by listening to the declarations of my father. First, let me go bury my dad. I got to go deal with my dad before I can serve Jesus. Jesus said, listen, let the dead bury their own dead. And if you are in pain about your past and about your father, Jesus said, go preach your way out of it. You don't acclimate to what your daddy said. You preach what your heavenly father is saying over your life. Jesus said, you don't lay on a couch and get counseling out of this mess. You go preach your way out of this mess. And that's exactly, I haven't waited till I got whole and healed to preach, obviously. You preach the goodness of God even when you don't feel it, even when everything in your life is against it. You preach your way out of your pain. You preach your way out of that pedigree. You preach your way out of your father fracture. You go tell people how good God is and stop telling everybody how bad your dad is. Amen, somebody? So they did this survey, a East Coast, uh, kind of a blue blood college, elite college on the East Coast did a survey on uh, marriage counseling. I just read about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, don't ask me why I was reading it. I'm just gathering information. <laughs> so they, did, they, they surveyed 2,300 couples that have gone to marriage counseling. And they said, well, how many of you got help? Actually, you went to marriage counseling and they fixed your marriage. Out of 2,300 couples, 4% said, we got help. So 96% of people who went to marriage counseling didn't get help. So they drew this conclusion that it isn't the marriage that's the trouble. It's the people in it. Stop going to counseling to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. So let me ask you, let me talk to you. You all right? You're like thinking, you're like, this dude is smart. Okay, so listen. So <laughs> there's three sacrament, sacraments in the New Testament church. And a sacrament is a way that we come in contact with and identify with the Lord Jesus. So the first sacrament is Holy Communion. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, carry about in your body the death of Jesus. Why are we carrying about, our, carrying about in our body the way we were raised? Our regrets, our mistakes, the things we've been forgiven for. Why are we carrying about in our body shame and guilt and condemnation, and limitation, when we need to be carrying about in our bodies the work of the cross. The apostle Paul says, I'm not carrying about in my body everything that has happened to me or I've done to myself or other people have done to me. He goes, I'm carrying about what Jesus has done for me, not what people have done to me. Amen? So, so here, it's a sacrament. It connects you to Jesus. Water baptism is the other sacrament. How many of you know you don't need water baptism counseling? The third sacrament in the church is holy matrimony. So guess what? If, you, if your marriage needs counseling, then your communion needs counseling. Then your water baptism needs counseling. Let me tell you something. There is nothing wrong with your marriage. 
Just like there's nothing wrong with when you take communion. There's nothing wrong with communion. When you got baptized and you're walking in newness of life, there was nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with marriage. The problem is we won't align ourselves with what, with what makes marriages work. If husbands would just love their wives, stop controlling our wives, stop blaming our wives, stop expecting our wives to change everything that needs to be changed, even though they think that's their job. Come on, somebody. Like, Danielle's like, I'm going to marry you and finish raising you. Your parents did not do a good job. (laughs) It obviously takes longer than 41 years to get that accomplished. If wives would just respect their husbands, even when they're not respectable. See, you can't counsel something that's perfect. You only can counsel something that's imperfect. So we're the ones that need to align ourselves with what God says about marriage, and marriage will make your life harmonious, happy, healthy with the horizontal. Like, my marriage needs work. No, you need work. I need work. I'm not getting no amens. I'm not getting no hallelujahs. Ain't nobody going... No one's clapping. Everyone's like, I have to be responsible? (laughs) Third guy goes up to Jesus, said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm almost done. You guys all right? He goes, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, listen, nobody who puts their hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom because this guy's like, I gotta go bury my, I gotta go say goodbye to my family. So first one was emotions. Second one was father issues. Now the third one is pedigree. It's different than fathering. It's this pedigree. It's this family line. It's this, it's this family connection that you think that you can't break out of the rhythm and the confinements of how you were raised. And this man is saying, I got to go say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus is like, listen, if you put your hand on the plow and you keep referencing your pedigree, you're not fit for the kingdom. You don't have the fitness. You can't keep up. And like a puzzle piece, you don't fit. Don't look back. So what's he talking about? Why is the kingdom of God the purpose of God compared to a plow. Jesus said, you get on the plow and you look back, you just lost your ability to fit in the kingdom. What is that about? What's a plow for? A plow locates roots and rocks that are prohibiting seed from doing what it's supposed to do. So you get, listen, you get saved. You get on this plow And all of a sudden, the plow starts pulling. Jesus is pulling the plow. And your plow is just going along. And all of a sudden, clink, it hits a rock of offense. It hits a root of pride. It hits a root of anger. It hits a root of rejection. It hits a root of fear. And the fruit of all of those roots 
Because whatever the root is, the fruit is. And the plow of your purpose will go after whatever's prohibiting the promise from manifesting in your life. And you're on the plow and it hit and all of a sudden you feel stuck. You feel like you're, you can't do this. You're, there's the underbelly of that you've been hiding all of your life is now being exposed because the enzyme of the kingdom will not leave you hiding. And here the plow goes after that stuff. And right there, you got a decision to make. Am I going to romanticize my past and get off of the purpose of God and go back to how it used to be? Or am I going to stay on this plow and let it plow up everything that's prohibiting me being who God has called me to be? See, here's the issue, man. We think that if we get off of this Christian walk, we'll get relief. Man, if I could just stop being a Christian, I will get a little peace in my life. The Holy Spirit will stop convicting me. If I could just medicate my pain and, and silence the voice of the Holy Spirit, if I could just let go and get off. Oh. But how many of you know that when you quit on God, you'll never get relief. You'll only get regret from which there is no relief. Amen, somebody? So here's the deal. Stay on the doggone plow. You're like, Pastor, I'm in a place in my life right now that it's hard. I'm having to go back and experience and relive some things that are stopping God from blessing my life. And I, I don't know how to deal with it. Stay on the plow. But I don't know how I feel. Stay on the plow. I want to get off. Stay on the plow. I'm crying too much. Stay on the plow. Lord, I, I, this is a very difficult time in my life. Stay on the plow. Don't get off of the plow. Well, I need some relief. No. You don't need relief. You need God to dig up the thing that's stopping you, that's been stopping you, that's been wrecking you all of your life. Amen, somebody? You can stop being afraid. You can stop being mad. You can stop being offended. You can stop if you'll let the purpose of God go after that stuff. Listen, you can run, but you can't hide from the plow of your purpose. You are sentenced to success and God is obligated to get everything out of your life that doesn't belong there that you can't take with you where you're going. Let me say goodbye to those at home. I'm sorry. Let the dead bury their own dead. Your past has got to be dead to you or it's going to kill you. You got to forget what lies behind. The good of it and the bad of it. Learn from it. Don't live in it. I had to stop playing the tapes of my dead dad in my head so I could get on to what God has called me to get on to. I got to stop living my life thinking that God is never going to take care of me because my dad didn't take care of me. Thinking that I had to keep matters in my Always worried about provision. Always worrying about not having enough because we never had enough. We had enough food stamps. We had enough government cheese. We had enough government peanut butter to last us a lifetime. Come on, somebody, because no one would eat the cheese or the peanut butter. <laughs> Amen. 
How many know, how many have ever had government cheese? Raise your hand. How many know it don't melt? It don't melt, sister. You can make, you can make spam cheese sandwiches and that thing is hard as a rock. Amen. If a burglar is breaking in, just grab a block of government cheese and knock that fool out. Come on, somebody. It's the nastiest peanut butter you ever had in your life. You, they could have government peanut butter and 10 years later, it's still in the cupboard. It tastes exactly the same as when you got it. Amen. So, but it's like we, we grew up like that. Take the food stamps and go buy some cigarettes at the liquor store. You know, like what kind of, and I'm constantly transferring those fears onto the heavenly father thinking he's going to give me a food stamp and you better cut a coupon. I get the discounted blessings because I'm a hage. No. Stay on the plow and watch prosperity come. Watch the blessing of God come. Watch the purpose of God manifest in your life. Stay on the plow. Stop trying to quit. Stop being so doggone father focused and, and stop being so emotional and watch the sentence of success show up like you never dreamed possible, exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. Amen. Somebody that's who you are. That's whose you are. That's what God has called you to do. Tell the devil to shut up. I'm staying on the plow. I'm calibrating to my heavenly father. Boom. Shakalaka, whatever that was. And let's be those kind of people. Amen. Somebody you're here today. Go ahead. Piano player. Like, I've been up here for 20 minutes. I'm waiting for you to be quiet. <laughs> you're here today and you're like, I'm not even right with God. I don't even know what I've been doing. I know all about Jesus, but I don't know him. It's like you know all about Oprah, but you don't never met her. We know all about Jesus, but have we ever met him? Have we ever given our life to him completely? Or you once walked with him and something happened. You took a hit. And it's not the hit that you can't get over. It's the lie that came through the hit that you can't get over. Like you're some second rate, second class, no hope for you people. It's a lie. The purpose of God, the plow of your purpose is more powerful than anything you're facing right now. It'll dig it up and remove it. And the seed of God's promises will create a harvest that you never dreamed possible. But you gotta give Jesus your life. You gotta give him first place. We gotta stop shucking and jiving with this thing and get real and realize that your life in your hands is going to turn out one way, but your life in his hands is going to turn out a whole nother better way. So you're here today. You're like, preacher, I'm not going to give the devil another day. And here's the big question. What has the devil ever done for you? Lies to you. Tells you he can do for you what only God can do for you. And then when you go with him, he writes your mistakes on an iron skillet and continues to beat you over the head with it to the, to the, for the rest of your life. And then we want to, and Jesus is standing there with nail prints in his hands going, what's up? Why are you doing that? I'm staying ready. 
to forgive you of everything you've ever done and to give you a future and a hope. You're here today, you're like, today's my day. Today's the first day of the rest of my life. We're going to get this thing right. So if you wouldn't mind humoring me and stand, I'm going to get up here so you can see me. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a talking head down here. And if you are comfortable, I don't want to push you past your comfort, but if you're comfortable to take the hand of the person that you're standing next to, you don't have to hold hands with people you don't know unless you're okay with that. And look, we got hand sanitizer. Just like put something in your hand when you're done. Don't touch your face. And you're here today. You're like, today's my day. All you young people, listen to me. It's the best decision you could ever make in your whole life. You've been waiting for this your whole life. You're here today and you're saying, today's my day. I want everybody to pray this after me, but especially those of you who need to come to God for the first time or come back to him after a long time. Everyone say this, Heavenly Father, today's my day. I'm not giving the devil another day of my destiny. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, come into my heart, take charge of my life, write my name in your book of life. And Heavenly Father, even if nobody goes with me, still I'm going to follow you. I'm never going back to my old life. Nothing back there for me. My past is behind me and my destiny awaits me in Jesus' name. Now, don't let go of that hand. You prayed that prayer and you said yes to God. You came back to God. You got right with God. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if you made that prayer yours and it was real, you got right. When I say three, will you just gently squeeze the hand of the person that you're holding? I'll say three and you just go, boom, that's me. Ready? One, in the balcony, on the floor. Two, three, squeeze that hand. You're getting right with God. You're being sure. You're making sure. You're getting the doubt out and you're getting some clout in your shout. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Squeeze that hand. Now, if someone squeezed your hand, I'm going to count to three one more time. And if someone squeezed your hand, when I say three, I want you to gently, reverently, respectfully, but full of faith. When I say three, you lift that hand to the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. Do it now. Lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it all over, all over, all over. This is amazing. Hold on, hold on. Uh, this is the last time I'm counting to three, but when I say three, if someone squeezed your hand, I want you to say, come go with me, and I want you to bring them right here to me so we can seal this thing in Jesus' name. Ready? One, two, three. Come now. Come right now. Don't think about it. Come on, bring them. Don't negotiate. Come on, come to Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, give God praise like your mama's coming down here. Come on. 
Don't wait. If you're in the balcony, we'll wait for you. Come on. Come close. Come close. That's it, my man. Get on down here. Got little kids coming. This is awesome. Who else? Who else? Don't, don't be afraid. Come on. Here they come. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come on. This is awesome. This is awesome. Look at you guys. Praise the Lord. Come close. Come close. Come close. Amen. Never too late, my man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I know they were here. They come here. They come more people. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Come on, my man. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Woohoo! Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How are you guys? Okay, listen, man, if I don't see you again, you come up to me in heaven, I'll probably get there before you. Just say, hey, I was that guy. What's your name? Travis. Travis. Is this your girl? And what? My wife. It's his wife, not his girl. Okay. Love it. Love it. What's your name, wife? Melinda, Travis and Melinda. God bless you guys. So proud of you. That ain't long enough. Keep it going. You're not the divorcing kind. You go forward. Your future's in front. Listen, every mistake you ever made is gone. Ain't nothing back there for you. There's some people, places, and things. Sometimes we are driving around with a U-Haul with an outhouse in it, sloshing around, wondering why our life stinks. You got to unhook that bad boy. Let the devil pull that around. Amen. And you go into your future. Amen. Let God use you to influence your friends because heaven is real and so is hell. I want you guys to get on fire. I want you to be the people that everybody wants to be like. And you pray for each other and you pray for your friends. And then you fill up this youth ministry with all your wild friends. Amen, somebody. You go get them and say, listen, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. I ain't going to party with you. We're going to party with Jesus. Amen. You guys get on fire for God and never go back. You hear me? Amen. We're out of time. Come back and see me tonight. But let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, seal this moment in these precious people's lives. Fill this atmosphere with salvation and redemption and blessing. And Lord, I pray that not one pepper flake of purpose will fall to the ground unfulfilled in anybody's life who's hearing my voice. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.